0: Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the WM32 Football Podcast. I hope you're happy to join us today. Uh, I'm joined here by Wes today. And today we have a special treat for you. Uh, in this episode today, we are doing a special coaches insight series. As you know, we have been doing a lot of coaches insights on different coaches uh, in the in the game of football. But today is a special episode that we have for you today because we will be interviewing none other than Wes himself. Now, Wes has a, uh, has experience of coaching. And this is an opportunity for everybody listening or watching at home to get to know Wes a little better. So we hope you enjoy today's episode. So let's get started. Wes, how are you today?
1: Yeah, very, very well, Nelson. Um, yeah, can't complain at all. Um, and, and yeah, very, very look much looking forward to uh, this particular episode. And Getting, uh, getting my kind of story and my journey out there in terms of of, of myself as a coach um, and yeah I just hope people, people enjoy it and you know even if it inspires just one particular person at the end of the day that might be you know sort of struggling or at a crossroads in terms of where they want to go in their career it might just inspire at least one person to maybe take up uh, the vocation of coaching then you know essentially that's uh the job done uh, at the end of the day but no very very uh like I say very much looking forward to, to this particular episode and, and you giving me a right old grilling
0: <laughs> no worries um luckily for you today as most of you who may have paid attention to our previous episode there is no quiz unfortunately today so I think Wes is off the hook for that one because I know I've grilled him with those kind of questions but let's get started with today's interview so uh Wes I guess the first question I guess is to obviously kind of uh, give everybody a bit of information about yourself sort of your name your age uh, and the role that you kind of yeah take on yeah so um wesley mcgrath full name
1: um but i only get full name treatment if i'm in trouble from from my mum uh or my girlfriend really um so yeah, 20, 25 years of age. Um, I know I don't look it, probably still get ID'd in, in certain places uh, and stuff like that. Uh, what's the saying? Black don't crack or something, something like that. Um, yeah, <laughs> yeah. 25 at the moment, 26 um, in in June. Um, so yeah, I've been coaching um, for about well, nearly 10 years now. Um, so started coaching at, at 17. So yeah yeah I've kind of uh, got a lot of experience I'd like to think even even at my uh, tender tender age of, of 25 um, and in Brilliant. terms of obviously what I do um, yeah owner founder um, driving force all of those kind of uh, cliche words almost uh, for
0: WM32 uh, football. Brilliant um, so now that you guys have Just, you know, got a a bit of personal information about Wes. Um, Wes, I guess my next question is to kind of tell everybody, and obviously myself, obviously I know you personally as a friend, but I guess to tell everybody about your coaching journey so far, like how you started and where it's kind of brought you today. Yeah, so um,
1: quite interesting, actually, because I was sort of growing up, um, I guess like most sort of young young lads playing football, uh, wanted to be a, a professional footballer. Um, unfortunately, for me that wasn 't like i wasn 't able to make that dream into a reality unfortunately um, you know when I was um, playing a lot throughout my secondary school years, um, I found it really really tough. I was sort of moving from club to club quite a lot um, and one of my biggest bugbearers is you know i 'm not when i wasn 't playing um, and, and you know me well enough, Nelson, as well. Like, we've, we've played together at, at uni and things like that. And when I'm not playing, I'm the one of the worst people, um, one of the worst people going, like, even if I'm injured or just not playing, honestly, I hate it. Um, so, yeah, it was just one of those, like, I thought, I have got to the age of about 15 and I was like, OK, well, it's going to be really, really difficult, actually, for me to get into a professional club now. Um, what can I sort of do to essentially look to... Pay the bills in terms of working and things like that. So, thought about maybe becoming a coach. Um, so, my work experience in year ten and year eleven was working with um, a company called Back of the Net FC, um, the more based in Northamptonshire. Um, so, thoroughly enjoyed that. I was going into schools, doing doing some PE uh, lessons and, and things like that. It was it was absolutely brilliant. I'd actually been on their holiday camps as a player. Um and, and really, really enjoyed those. Um, and the guy that owns that and and, and runs it almost is the uh interim manager at Northampton town, uh John Brady. Um so I owe him a lot uh, as well in terms of where I am today um because he was the one that obviously allowed me to do that, get that work experience in um very young. Um and yeah, it, you know, I've, I've helped him out on a few uh holiday camps, um again when I was sort of around 15. Um and again thoroughly enjoyed it um and found that I had a little a, a bit of a way with like the younger people. Um I don't know if it's because yeah. I saw that I was quite young as well. Um so yeah, sort of found that I had that way and you know, I'd had jobs previously, but I've kind of felt like coaching was was a little bit for me. Um and then it sort of hit, you know, I was hit around 17, did my coaching badges at um through Milton Keynes College. Managed to get my level two through there, which was again fantastic. Um, And yeah, I've sort of not looked back really. I think the college um, helped me a lot in terms of I was on their football program. Okay, I didn't necessarily play as much as I would have wanted to. And that was really frustrating, I'll admit that. But I learned so much in terms of details off the pitch um, and sort of how the game is you know how it's played and how I would want the game to be played um and yeah I think if it wasn't for them them alongside sort of John Brady and somebody else who I'm going to touch on in a minute I don't think I'd I'd be where I am today really um, so yeah sort of hit 17 was sort of looking for sort of a coaching company Milton Keynes I didn't really hear of any um stumbled across uh Martin White Football Factory on um on Google uh, got in contact with Martin um and went for an interview now coaching interviews are completely different to like a bog standards um office interview almost if you like um, so you have to sort of have a chat with uh with the person um whoever that is whoever's taking the interview um and then you have to go and coach because they want to see you know if you're essentially good enough for what they're looking for um so i went on a on a martin white football factory camp uh went in done an interview um and it was i thought it was a little bit strange initially because martin's camps were fairly unique i thought over here um because they were only half a day nine till 12 um i'm used to holiday camps being 10 till three um obviously my experience as a player and whatnot growing up so yeah um was speaking to one of the other coaches about it and he just said look the kids get bored quite easily so nine till 12 is actually quite nice um so i was like okay fair enough um but yeah, spoke to martin and um and and whatnot did my interview and i'll be honest i wasn't really expecting too much off the back of it but i think you know martin saw something in me um and he gave me some work a little bit of coaching work um and yeah i was sort of working on and off with him for about eight years up until fairly recently um so yeah i owe him a lot because he he again was one that gave me my my first break almost in coaching and then um you know, went to university, went to UCFB, obviously met yourself there and yeah. uh, did the sports business and coaching degree. Um, and again, learned so, so much from the different tutors that were there, you know, their experiences that they bring, you know, to lectures and, and seminars, which I thought was absolutely fantastic. Um, and you can draw a lot, I think, from the UCFB tutors. And I think that's what makes UCFB quite unique um, in the sense that, you know, the, you can have those almost personal relationships with the tutors, um, they're obviously not too personal, but you know, a quite fairly personal relationship with them, um, and again, learned so so much, and um, you know, I guess it's landed me almost sort of where I am today. It's you no, know, it's not been easy along the along yeah. the way, but um, yeah, it's almost like I'm sort of at the start of something that's really really growing, and um, at the moment, and you know, I can't I can't um, complain at all really
0: beautiful story um shout out to everybody obviously that you mentioned that you uh, that brought you here today and had an impact in where you are today I can obviously testify myself to the fact that you know you actually when we met each other at university at UCFB um you actually had a stint as a coach for the third team and that was also a good experience for myself not just being your friend but also as a player trying to see it from that perspective how you went about you know uh your coaching and you know your philosophies and what you wanted to get out of us when you had your stint so I guess my, my next question is um um did you always I guess you obviously answered the question you didn't always want to be a coach you wanted to be a professional football player mm-hmm. but was there a, a certain spark that just made you think okay yes coaching is now what I want to move forward in? because it seems like you wanted to remain within football but I guess you just wanted to figure out what it was that you wanted to do. So what was that spark? Do you remember the experience of that spark you got?
1: Yeah, it's quite interesting. Like I had to be involved in football. Like anybody that knows me knows I just wake up I eat, drink, sleep, breathe it, you know, 24 seven constantly. Like in anybody that knows me again, like in my house, it's just football, football, football. I don't know how my mum puts up with it half the time. Um, You know, watching a lot of football um, and, and stuff. So yeah I, I think it must have been obviously the work experience that were back in the net um and I thought, oh, this is quite nice, I quite like this um but I think you know the year that I had before I went to university working with Martin really, yeah. really helped um he was a fantastic, fantastic mentor um to me, and um I think as well when I've done other bits of coaching um you know I've learned a lot from him, and I actually take a lot from. You know my experience and what I've learned from him into different sessions. You know tone of voice, um, and you know how obviously how you speak to players. Um, you know sessions. You know different types of sessions. What you can do for different age groups and how you can deliver those. Um, and you know, you know, every session isn't going to be a perfect session. You are going to get some kids that perhaps may want to uh, bend the rules a little bit and, and stuff like that. But yeah. then it's about how you deal with those individuals um as well and I've learned I learned so much from Martin and I'll always be forever grateful um, for him um, because like I said I think if it wasn't for him certainly I wouldn't be where I am today um so yeah I'd probably say those were the two kind of main main things and then obviously what going to university it was like that stepping stone um because I originally wanted to be an academy coach or coaching in a football academy um I think that's probably changed a little bit over the years but um certainly at that time it was almost like that university was that stepping stone to get me to where i wanted to go Um, so yeah but i definitely think um like i say the helping out at back of the net with those holiday camps initially and then certainly having that experience working with with martin white football factory for for a year before going to university really really sort of helped um shape kind of who i
0: am as a as a coach today brilliant um i'm really glad that you touched on i think one of the words i really took in was the fact that you obviously had a mentor to begin with to help you guide through yeah um, you know your experience uh, over there so um, i guess this this stuff this leads on to my next question um so what um can you name me i guess some of the coaches you looked up to it doesn't have to be somebody in professional football it could just be someone like you mentioned you know like mr brady himself who really helped you um yeah yeah what, what who who inspired you what coaches you look up to give us a, a few uh, names yes yeah, uh, there's quite
1: a few i could be a while to be honest because i was like as a as a sort of younger player yeah i did look up to you know john brady when i was going to back of the net on a on a monday night sean carey um as well ex, ex-professional um and you know sean was brilliant like those sort of coaches at back in the net were absolutely brilliant for me um you know they, they knew they knew my strengths they knew my weaknesses but they didn't really focus on the weaknesses too much they just wanted to focus and sort of hone in on the strengths which i think was was crucial for me yeah. um definitely looked i think ed steen has to get a mention um, so he used to do a bit of training with ed on a saturday morning and was a little bit older so he could get away with a little bit more with us, and I think that's helped me as well in terms of working with older players, um, yeah. uh, as well. But I mean, Ed's got me in the fittest shape I think I've ever been in, doing that little bit of extra training. Um, so Ed's definitely one that I've looked looked up to. Um, Martin was definitely somebody in my again in my early years that I looked up to because it was almost like you know I want to draw on his experiences um, that he'd got as a as a coach. Um, you know Mark Walsh and James Nash I think as well from MK College um, you know really looked up to them they obviously all these guys are very knowledgeable anyway but kind of working with them you know day to day again really wanted to learn from them and draw as much out of them as as possible and I think especially with with Nashie, it was like standards like it was almost like right you have to kind of be at the top Okay. Every yeah. every every day every session, you know, you've got to be performing almost to your maximum, and I think that's something that I've tried to take into into my coaching in terms of like setting benchmarking for players and things like that, and you know how how do we improve? How do we get better? Um, and I think anybody that's worked with me certainly will will agree with that. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's 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 loads. There's still. Some that I look up to now, and I'm like, I'd love to be like this particular person, or, or something like that. I think um, now I've I'm more one-to-one based, a more individual based. Sol Isaacson Hurst is probably renowned as one of the the top or one of the best um, technical skills based coaches. Um, you know, certainly looked up to him in terms of you know how I how I can affect players without physically being there. Um, so you know, seeing some of his stuff and, uh, and whatnot that inspired me to do my Wes Wednesday YouTube series, um, just some ball mastery uh, stuff for for young players. Um, And yeah, I mean, if I look at, you know, going into sort of a professional game, I think in my early years, um, you know, definitely like Roberto Martin has stuck a chord with me straight away. I don't know if it was because of the way his Wigan team played. And it was like, I mean, Wigan were one of the best footballing teams in the Premier League, yet yeah, they were always sort of fighting relegation and sort of getting out of it. But I just love the way his teams played. Um Guardiola, um, I think any sort of young coach will always look up to Pep um and just the way that he gets his teams playing and how they how they sort of carry out the tasks. Um Bielsa, El Loco, um love the guy, completely love the guy. Just the intensity that he works at is just on another level. Um and even at college we studied a lot of Guardiola's Barcelona, but also Bielsa's Bilbao in terms of how to really hone in on a on on a press and, and things like that. It was it was relentless. Um, but then I think certainly in, in recent times, I'd I'd have to go with Pochettino. I'd have to. Uh, it would be criminal of me not to. I mean, yes, he, he was the manager of, of my club um, and and everything else, but just the way he is as a person, I've just yeah. I've kind of attached myself to him a little bit. Um, and I think his time at Tottenham coincided with me just getting a bit more of an understanding in terms of coaching and how I wanted to be and, and yes. my journey and everything like that. So yeah I think last one from you know the top end almost is definitely you know who I like to call the gaffer. Um, Hotch. Yeah. I, I just completely love the guy. Um, the environment that he got, everybody working in at Tottenham was just fantastic. Um, but you could see it like I was fortunate enough to go to the training ground and you could sort of see his imprint on the staff that were there Um, even though he's not there you could just tell it had that poch touch about about things um, and how we kind of created that environment of everybody being together um, everybody believing in a in a project Um, and I think that again that's something that I've taken
0: into into my coaching for sure. Brilliant. Nice touch there with the gaffer himself. Um, I also like the fact that um, you didn't just, it wasn't just subjected to just, you know, professional football. There were different people from different sort of levels of football, which I'm sure a lot of people will appreciate uh, when listening to today's yeah, episode. Yeah, no, def- um,
1: definitely, definitely, Nelson. I think, sorry to interrupt, but um, yeah, it's just, yeah, yeah. you know, obviously you're sort of, as you're growing up a little bit, it's almost like, well, you got to take, Bits from you know like different I think you know ex-players say a lot when they go into into management it's like yeah I'll probably take the best bits from from different coaches and and things like that that they've worked with and there's even someone I forgot to mention as well Ryan Hill who gave me so much confidence as a as a young person you know I thought at sort of 18 I roughly sort of knew about the game Um, and he just completely opened my eyes up again to a completely different way of Of playing the game and then obviously tried to try to translate some of it into into coaching the belief he gave me was was ridiculous you know I've worked with him as well one of the calmest coaches I think I've ever seen um you know he's literally the calm the cool head when everything else is just 100 miles an hour um and yeah I think again the belief that he gives people um was was fantastic um and yeah I think he's definitely one that that struck a chord with me as well
0: brilliant um so you've mentioned you know the different coaches that have helped inspired you and stuff and like you mentioned just there which I think was good that you took little bits and pieces from them so by doing that obviously you've now created like yourself you've done owner and founder of WM32 football but I believe obviously along I think along you know your coaching journey you've had to ask yourself the question what you know you would feel like what your for coaching philosophy would be you know so what what for people obviously who don't know much about um your philosophy obviously this is now the opportunity to kind of explain that what 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 is your coaching philosophy where it's like when you go about coaching
1: well I feel like I'm going to be like Louis van Hall here because I think the word philosophy wasn't really um you know brought to many people's attentions until until he uh he rocked up at, at man united um and this is something that has changed has tweet been tweaked a lot um yeah. over over the years um probably obviously in my early years probably didn't even know what it was didn't even you know get you know, it's like philosophies like what like is that something to do with something completely you know different like not even within football um and, and stuff so yeah I think it was quite interesting when I did my master's degree again at UCFB it was the, I think it was the, sort of like the first time that I was able to sort of nail what I thought my philosophy was and you know my philosophy is with within my coaching philosophy not my playing style because they're two different things um, and again something on the master's degree that we looked at and in great detail and how to separate the two um, but I guess my, my philosophy as a, as a coach is to help Players develop and improve, um, but also by giving them the responsibility to know how to improve. So within mm. my individual and my one-to-one sessions, even small group sessions, I film it. I film a segment of the session. Um, and using that analysis tool really, really helps because essentially the video doesn't lie. So Yeah, I can tell players all the time and demonstrate and show them. But ultimately, if they're not quite getting it, getting it right, or if there's a little bit something that's a little bit off technique wise, you know, the video and the video really kind of brings everything out. And it's like, all right, okay, you know, are you scanning before you receive the ball? Are you taking your first touch forwards? Are you receiving on your back foot? You know, is your uh, non-kicking foot, say, half a step behind the ball? You know, are you keeping your body upright? So you're actually going into a lot of sort of biomechanical um and technical information, um, which is something that when I was setting up Dobian 32 football, I didn't see a lot. Right. So I thought, right, well, let me bring that into my coaching then to try and make myself a bit, a bit unique and try and, you know, mm-hmm. make me stand out. But yeah, I guess ultimately it's to help sort of players improve and develop um to get them to a better level than what they're playing at currently. Um, and I think by doing that, you know, just giving belief, I think it's massive, massive. I see it a lot um, with with young players now, especially obviously with the last sort of 12 months with the, the situation that we've been in. But, you know, young people just seem to be really, really unconfident and lacking of self-belief a lot. And I think, you know, but as people, we all love a little bit of a pat on the back and a well done. But I think that the trick is, is when players are getting frustrated that something perhaps isn't coming off or you know, they're a little bit struggling, you just have to go, right, OK, let's work out a formula to get you success. But success is different, you know, from, for, yeah. for every player, you know, success for, for me as a coach is completely different to what success would look like for one player in one session. And then, you know, the next session that I have. So sometimes, you know, I do ask them, what is success for you? So if we're working on passing, you know, is it just simply a player passing the ball into a mini goal um, and that mini goal then acts as a reference point as a player on the pitch? Is that the success that they're after? If so, okay, I'll roll with that. Um, or is it actually the success? Yes, the passing is your end product, but is it, you know, your angle to receive? Is it you checking your shoulders, your first touch and then, you know, your your, your pass, which is the end product? So yeah, you might your topic might be passing, but it might be four or five different, things that you need to get out before you know the actual part in itself um so yeah I guess for me it's just about developing developing players um to make them better than you know the current level that they're at um and to give them the confidence and the belief you know that they can sort of achieve what they want to achieve I guess that's probably the best way I can I can sum it up to be
0: honest brilliant um I was going to actually ask you quickly to I guess because something came in my head which I think you'd obviously be able to be happy to share like uh, an example of your coaching philosophy actually coming to fruition in the um, how would I put about it? I guess the impact it's had on some of the kids that you've you've trained like I know you 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 post on the WM32 30, football page a bit of testimonial Tuesdays that comes from yeah. uh, you know parents um, uh, the kids themselves in terms of the impact that they have but uh, there was one example that I wanted you to share about I think one of your kids I uh, think it was either this year or the year before he got called up to play for a Barcelona a school academy I, I, I'll let you like share a bit more of that just so people know that what you know your philosophy the, the time and effort you've put into it is actually there's 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 actually evidence of it
1: yeah i think this one is probably on the face of it my biggest success story um yeah when don't get me wrong it's fantastic that the players managed to achieve what he's achieved and i'm not discrediting his achievements but actually i think there's probably other success stories that perhaps haven't been shouted about as, as loud of course. um yeah. but this this particular one as you, as you mentioned it um so this particular player I was working with uh, at MK Dons actually in the in the pre academy environment in the advanced centre, um, and you know I had a session I'd never seen never seen him before in me, in my life. Um, sort of introduced myself to the group and everything like that, and did a particular practice, um, and you know sort of asking him like, where do you play normally? And he said, oh I'm a, I'm a striker. I was like, okay. I said, go and play centre mid for me, um, and there was something. I think he received the ball, drove forward and played like a, number, like a really, really well-weighted through pass. Um, but before that, I think he received the ball, drove forward, beat a player and then done it. So I was like centre-mid all day, all day. Um, so then I had a chat with him and I said, look, I'm going to turn you into a centre-mid if you fancy it. So he was like, okay. I think he was just one of those that just wanted to absorb what, what the coach was saying. Um, and things like that obviously as coaches that's a that's a massive dream when you get a player that's you know open to to changing a little bit especially at that at any age really you know you say to somebody oh I think you're this but they've been well I play as a winger yeah but you might be a fullback so you know um, so yeah then I managed to almost recruit him almost if you like uh, one-to-one and just worked with him a little bit more consistently on being a central midfield player and what those real requirements are needed Um, to be and to play as as a central midfield player essentially like his talent will determine what level um he plays at but I think the requirements of any position will pretty much stay the same Um, so like I say the talent will determine half the time where where I think or where the players will end up um so yeah it was um yeah just working with him um was fortunate enough to, to send him to Peterborough for a trial. Um, he was doing really, really well there, actually. This is just sort of just before COVID hit. Um, he was doing quite well there. Um, and actually got invited back to, for an eight-week trial um, once things had sort of settled down a little bit. Um, but, yeah, he, his, um, his family, him and his family moved out to Poland um, for, for COVID. Um, one of his family members is Polish anyway. So moved out there, um, and next thing I know, I'm getting this message, this all this stuff coming through saying that he's been signed for a Barcelona International Academy, and thank you for all the work that you've done, and I'm just a bit like, right, what what what's happened here? <laughs> um, so yeah, I think you know, is like I say, his his talent has got him almost to where, but I think that the thing that impressed me the most with him was his willingness and want to just be the best that he can be um and you know i mentioned before when i was when i was at mk college about standards like he had the highest standards i think that i've i've probably come across really of any young kid that i've worked with and you know he fully deserves that particular um accolade um you know i hope that he goes on to obviously achieve what he wants to achieve because i think you know there's a real talented player there but um you know it was it was it was a nice sort of story um to to have when you see like one of the players that you're working with is is signed for a Barcelona International Academy and and things like that so um yeah but I mean his his willingness and drive to succeed get better and want to improve like every session um was was fantastic he's an intelligent player as well so when you ask him questions or when you'd ask the group questions, he'd always be the first one to answer, but he'd always give an intelligent answer. And I'm just like, oh my God, give me more, give me more, please just give me more of like, yeah. Um, yeah. and the way he articulated his point was, was fantastic. So um, yeah, he's getting on all right as well. I've uh, I've not spoken to him actually for a little while, but um, yeah, last time I spoke to him, he was getting on, getting on really, really well. And actually I think he's playing a year up because of the way that the school system works over there. So he's actually playing a year oh, okay. up, but um, yeah, more than holding his own. Um, and, and whatnot as well. And I think that he's got a tournament soon um, against the likes of Arsenal, Everton, Liverpool, and a few other clubs um, as, as well. So yeah, that's probably one of the the more success stories that I could I could probably share. Um, but there's definitely yeah. been a few um,
0: that have happened as well during during my time. Brilliant, brilliant for that, was thank you. Um, now we w- I want to move on to we've done your coaching philosophy. And again, like I always seem to pick up little things as you're speaking along the way. I'm like, wow, this is a really good point that he's mentioned. And one of the things you talked about was that there's an actual difference between coaching philosophy and playing style. Now, the reason I said that is because I think me growing up and getting used to football, I always thought that those two were the same things, but obviously now, as like you said, you've expanded your knowledge, you learn more about the game. You realize, Oh wait, no, these are completely two different things. So I guess, if you could quickly explain to those who may who may have been in my situation for okay these are the two same things like what the what the difference is between those kind of two the philosophy and the playing style
1: yeah so in terms of philosophy it's almost how you in i guess it's both like both are in an ideal world 100 percent. both are in an ideal world but it's almost like how do you want to coach essentially that's your philosophy that's almost like your beliefs what you believe in as a coach you know but then how yeah. can you bring that to the table um and then your playing style is how you want to your team essentially to play so yeah. you know do you want to be a bit more of a possession based team do you, is it a win at all cost kind of mentality is it counter-attacking you know is it you know, there's there's different styles in which you, you can play. You know, are you just going to be a bit more direct um, and and things like that? And it's been quite interesting as well. I think as I've developed my knowledge and expanded my knowledge, obviously I was still playing. So um, at certain times, like I would get asked questions about tactical things, and I was a bit yeah. like, right, okay. but they could come completely out of the blue. Like I wouldn't I wouldn't know they were coming um and I think I even had that once in one particular session we then we did an hour I think out on the grass and then came back into the changing room and it was like I think the team we were playing I was playing four we're playing three five two and we were getting a little bit outdone uh, especially out wide um but it was essentially what we hadn't worked on and what we'd failed to work on in my time there was actually just sliding over as a as a unit and as a team um yeah but we didn't get the opportunity to work on it. So when it comes to a game day, people are a bit like a bit unsure of their roles and responsibilities. Um, and I think if you are going to play, say, a back three or a back five, you've got to work on it religiously. Um, it's a lot easier, I think, when you you set up with a back four. I think a lot of, because it's it's something that players are used to a bit a little bit more. Um, so you don't have to necessarily go into too much detail regarding roles and responsibilities. Um, but yeah, I think to divvy the two, philosophy is sort of how you want to coach and how you almost want to be perceived as a coach. Um, and then your playing style is how you want your teams in an ideal world,
0: how you want them to play. Brilliant. Do you think there are any small links, like one or two links between them as well? Or is that is it, is it just they're just completely two different things. There's definitely crossovers, definitely crossovers. Like, don't get me
1: wrong. Like if you look at certain teams, um, take Atletico Madrid as a prime example, like Simeone's almost personality comes out of his teams um, and and, and whatnot. I think if I look at Jose's Inter Milan team, his personality came out in that team a lot um, as well. Um, Guardiola's Barcelona, obviously we know Guardiola had this ideology almost of ticker tacker, but that come from the Dutch model of total football almost and possession was king and everything like that. And you saw that coming out. Um obviously it's far easier to, I would say, do it um, when you're working every day on the on the training pitch. So I think it's a little bit harder when say you have your team maybe once a week, it might just take a little bit longer. So whereby yeah. something that could take six weeks say if you had a pre-season with a um you know with a with a senior team um you know working sort of every day or even in a college program you know you're working near enough every day so something that might take six weeks if you're working at a junior team it might take you know 12 12 weeks as a as an example um just because you haven't got that time on the on the training pitch um as often but yeah no, there's certainly a bit of a crossover but i think it's important to recognize that actually they are they are different
0: brilliant well for those of you listening i hope that kind of helps because i know there's always something that you can learn and i've definitely taken something out of this as well so i appreciate that little uh, uh, insight was um now we also know that an element of coaching is obviously the players So the players that you've managed, you've obviously talked about the success story with one of your players and you kind of mentioned some qualities that were specific to that player in particular. But if we're just generalising it, what sort of qualities do you look for uh, in a player? Um, Qualities that I
1: look for in a player is, I guess I'd probably look for a lot of uncoachable qualities. Um, Obviously technical ability is one, like, I don't know if that's because I was a te- more of a technical player myself, um, growing up. I mean, you've played with me, you could probably testify yeah. as to whether that's, no, that's the can. case or not. Um, no, yeah, definitely.
0: Definitely um, technical player. Yeah.
1: So yeah, I think technical ability is one. Cause I think, um, you know, if you can't, if you haven't got essentially any form of technical ability, then you're going to struggle. Um, but I definitely think it's, it's more of the, you know, the desire, the willingness to sort of work hard, um, you know, I place a lot of emphasis on certainly in team environments um, when I've yeah. worked in. I've placed a lot of emphasis on sort of working for each other, um, helping each other out. Um, and I think that sort of stemmed from my college days because that was sort of what we what we did as a team. Like we were we could all play, but we had that ability to almost fight for each other as well on the pitch, um, which which helped a lot. Um, but no certainly that technical ability that willingness to, to learn what that want to improve and get better um, you know that that desire to almost know kind of what to do sort of on the yeah. ball and, and off the ball yes there's going to be some things that obviously are going to need to be worked on um, but at the end of the day if they have something to begin with um, you know you can you can work with that um, it's quite interesting though if I completely flip it at the other end with my with the mini kicker sessions that I do, it's obviously that's completely different in itself because yeah, you're yeah. somebody that first experience of football. So I guess for from that perspective, I think I have to separate it. So if I was looking okay. at like mini kickers, it's like, look, if they turn up with their kit and a water bottle, they're good to go kind of thing. Um, and I don't mean that in a disrespectful way. It's just that obviously they're getting that introduction into football. Um, yeah. So, you know, they're not going to necessarily be able to do... You know, certain things that perhaps somebody who's 13, 14 would be able to do. Um, but at the same time, I think younger kids can do a lot more than sometimes us as coaches think. So, you know, I've been teaching, um, I think at the session I had on Sunday was teaching uh, some players to do, you know, Ronaldo chops and, you know, I've taught them flip-flaps and things like that. I think this, this, the skill with that is actually can, how can you break it down to make life so much easier for a player to be able to do it. Um, and again, I think that's something that I've learned from, from Martin White, really, because I'd done a few of those sort of younger sessions with him before or I'd worked with a youngish, a youngish group on a, on a holiday camp. So to be able to literally get something that's quite complicated and strip it right the way back into, right, well, how do you actually do it? You know, if it's a flip-flap, well, actually, you're probably going from your little toe to your big toe and you've got to try and keep your ball, like the your, the ball is like a, on a bit of string and you've got to try and keep it on that on that string. Um, obviously, going to one-to-ones, it's completely different. Um, you know, they're more for players that are a bit more keen within football and they want that extra, that extra, you um, training um and that extra push so that's when you know that the more technical detail comes in um Mm -hmm. and you know the micro details almost come out a little bit more um so yeah certainly for that it would definitely be you know the the technical ability um in terms of the qualities but i think as well just how kind of coachable they are like i've had i've had players that necessarily aren't aren't the greatest in terms of coordination or technical ability but they're coachable so you can say to them like look if you're trying to do this if you're or if this is if this is what we're working on and we're trying to do this can we perhaps do it this way or if I have to show them that's absolutely fine obviously that's part of my job but um you know you, you tell them you show them and then you know they come back next week and they've nailed it and you're like right I can tell you've been practicing that's something that as it like I can't coach that um so I know recently something that's really sort of bugging me a little bit is players sort of hips and groin like rotations and twisting and turning Mm -hmm, um mm -hmm. so I think I've literally given like a good handful of players some a little bit of a task where just do like single like right foot uh single volley single foot volleys to do um so they're like their foots on a pillow or or something and you know, mum, dad, brother, sister or whatnot throwing on the ball and they've got to like volley it but they're doing like that motion with it just to get those that hips and that groin area sort of uh, rotating a little bit better. Um, so yeah, that's something that I've noticed really, really recently and I'm there like what's, you know, what's going on here? Like why, why aren't players either comfortable receiving off both feet or, you know, why aren't isn't a player just say receiving and then off his left foot taking his foot then his second touch with his right foot or and why aren't they sort of opening out their, their body a little bit um, when they do receive? So, yeah. But I'd, like I say, I think technical ability is probably one. And then, you know, that desire and that willingness to learn. I think if I have, if I have that, then I can,
0: I can work with, work with sort of any player, I think really. Brilliant. Um, now, obviously with all the different players that you've worked with, because it seems like what I'm getting is, it's the technical ability so stuff that you see but one area that you mentioned is the intangible that like you mentioned the the, the willingness to desire like you know like you said those you, you give them a, a task to do and then they come back and they may have gone further than that to show you know how how far they can go um mm-hmm. do you have a, a bias because i'm sure like you have a few fav- not a few favorites but you might have bias towards you know one player over the yeah. other have you have you have you had that over your coaching experience like a bias towards a certain type of player yeah I think most coaches
1: do if they don't I'll be shocked um yeah my bias is probably towards it's quite interesting because like I say I was a technical player so yeah. I think initially my bias was and my first question was right like, like how good are they on the ball forget anything else like how good are they on the ball So my bias was always towards those the the technicians, almost if you like. Um, Whereas now, I think I've probably seen one player that in my time coaching that was the I wouldn't say the complete opposite because he was still a good player. Um, He's now at Northampton Town's academy, but he, I think it was just the fact he stood out because he had something completely different to the rest of the group, and that was he actually wasn't afraid to tackle number one because a lot of the players that I work with aren't aren't necessarily ones that would want a 50/50 essentially um, he would talk and just organize um, and he was quite he was just literally like I said I don't know if it was just refreshing to see because I hadn't I hadn't really seen it a lot in young kids um, yeah. because we, we as coaches I think we've gone a lot about sort of how how we look like on the ball as opposed to you know or what we look like on the ball as a team um but we haven't really coached a lot of what we look like off the ball so we don't really coach defending much yeah um but it's, it's quite interesting because before I went to university I hated coaching defending hated it it was like oh defending session oh, really really hate defending right I'll just do it but Then I quickly realised that the defending sessions that I was delivering were probably better than the attacking sessions. Then I've gone to university and now it's like, it's almost flipped. Like now it's like, if I get an attacking one, I'm there like, oh, brilliant. Like, Because I think there's what I've found is there's so many different variables with attacking and there's so many ifs, buts and maybes. Whereas defending, it's very much, right, stop the ball going in the goal. Simple as that. I don't care how you do it. Just stop the ball going in the back of the net. Whereas, all right, you could say, well, attacking, just put the ball in the back of the net. Yeah, but there's loads of different ways in which you can do it. You know, are you going to play through? Are you going to play wide? Are you going to create overloads, everything like that? Whereas defending, it's just like, right, be brave, almost be, you know, compact as a unit as defensively and just, you know, stop the ball going in the back of the net. Like I say, if it hits you, you know, where perhaps it, you know, if it hits you in the stomach, the face, you know, in your crown jewels, as they say, you know, it's, 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 you know, you've stopped a goal um so yeah i think i i don't know now if i have a bias to players who are probably the kindest way i can describe it is a rough house um yeah. and the most pg way i can say is a bit of a rough house i don't know if those are the sort of players now that i'm like yeah i'll have a bit of you i'll have a bit of you. because that's again something that really i can't coach but like, i can't really yeah, coach yeah, yeah somebody to win a 50 50 I can't coach somebody really how to essentially tackle um, so yeah it's one of those where well if they've got that brilliant like, I don't have to really worry about it um, you know I can't coach somebody to have the desire to go and win the ball or what the want to go and win the ball back quickly um, but I can what I can do is coach somebody how to pass better how to dribble better how to shoot better um but yeah I think my bias has certainly changed don't get me wrong I still love you know silky players and you know skillful players technicians still love those but I think my bias has probably shifted mainly towards players that I look at and I go like right okay you may not be like I say oh you may not be overly the best technically but there's something in you that I like um and I'm gonna I'm gonna like roll with it essentially um and then everything else sort of comes comes later but i guess like coaching and footballers are like coaching football is almost like you've got a puzzle you've got this jigsaw yeah. puzzle and there's all these pieces and it's just about how you put them all together and then eventually you get the you know from the you know from the pro perspective it's like you get these um you know you get your jigsaw and it's about how you put it all together and then hopefully the finished product is what you see on a match day um mm. So, yeah, but like I say, I think my bias has definitely changed over the years in terms of going completely just for the silky players. Like, don't get me wrong, still love them to pieces um, and, and things like that. But, um, yeah, I think it might just be going more down the other, the, the complete opposite end um, and heading towards a few more sort of rough houses.
0: Rough houses. Cool. Um, with these certain type of players, have you had or have you given out any nicknames because of the way they play like? you know, maybe you've seen a little Hazard or a little, you know, have you seen, have you given nicknames out to players like that? Have you, do you have that kind of connection with the players where it's like, okay, like the way they play, you give them this, you know, that, that way, you know, they, they they kind of embrace that for themselves?
1: Yeah, there's been a few. There's been a few. Uh, I don't think I can remember them all off the top of my head, but uh, no, there is one certainly at the moment um, who I call Winksy. Um, ironically, his name's <laughs> Harry as well. Um <laughs> he's a Spurs fan, play central midfield. <laughs> so I was like, Winksy, let's let's have it. Um yeah. so yeah, no, there's definitely been like a few. Um you know, obviously you get the the kind of buzzword star boys and all of this kind of thing that are going yeah, down yeah. at the minute. But yeah, Winksy's definitely one that I've given given a nickname to uh one particular player. Um so yeah I think that's probably the one that, that stands out. I think even like in my sessions, certainly sort of like one-to-ones and stuff, What I've there's a couple that I've done that have been linked to player traits almost. Um, yeah, so okay. there's a session that I've started doing fairly recently, or well, I say fairly recently in the last sort of 12 months or so, but it's centred around heung Son. Um, you know, one of your favourite players in the league, even though you're, you, yes. you're an Arsenal fan and he plays for Spurs. But, it, you know, it's, it's one of those where... <laughs> Receive the ball out wide, drive, and then like Sonny's one of Sonny's trademark moves. This is if almost receives it wide, cuts in, little uh, feint to go either way, and then strike at goal. Um, so I've done that one. I've done one sort of centered around Ericsson, Christian Ericsson, where it would be ball comes in as a central midfielder, open out, and then can you sort of whip it and dip it almost into the into the opposite corner. Um, so there's been a few that, like I say, I've. I've done. There's one centered around Honri uh, as well. So, for a centre forward, uh, they start back to goal, drop in, play a little one two, and then they peel out. And then the Honri trademark finish of curling it into, into the far corner. Um, so, there's definitely like some of those that I've done um, as well uh, from a sort of individual and one to one perspective. Cool, 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 cool. Yeah, I, just,
0: I guess that's a question that I just was eager to kind of get your answer to because I'm sure, like you said, there's bias. But then, like you see certain players nowadays, you're like, ah, oh, you know, I got you, you remind me of this or you're like you said the star boy or these little things. So yeah, don't get me wrong. Yeah. There's definitely players that you look at and go,
1: right. I see elements of of yeah you know the the players at the very very top in them mm-hmm. i'm not comparing them or going you're the next because that's right wild Bastard. yeah completely wild but there's certainly like little elements that you go okay um you know if it's the way they perhaps receive the ball it might be in the style of edin hazard or something like that it might be um has actually been working fairly recently with some players um, and in a 1v1 situation, almost trying to get them to turn and pivot like Ndombele, Um, whereby if, you know, they are sort of driving, but they're kind of shielding the ball almost in an attacking, so they're shielding the ball. And then all of a sudden, you know, can they roll and go out the other way, uh, which is something that Ndombele does um, obviously really, really well. I haven't managed to get one really for Riyad Mahrez yet. I'm still trying to work that particular one out. Um, Cause obviously Mahrez with his fake shot, um, yeah, yeah. You know, that's his trademark. But I think that's quite good as well to link uh some sessions to, to players that ultimately, you know, these these kids are watching on a yeah. on a weekly basis. Um and it gives them that reference point um as well, obviously when they are doing the sessions and when they and if it does come off they'll be like, Oh yeah, you sit well, you know, they'll they feed back to you as well. They go, Oh where's you know that um like Mahrez session that we did? Oh yeah, well I did that actually on in my game and it was really, really good. So um, yeah obviously when you get that that's a that's a great feeling as well
0: wicked wicked um I guess my next question now is to kind of ask you on the basis you know of just you know coaches that I'm sure that you're like, you've had experience of meeting other coaches um and you've been in that position where you've been mentored to that that's helped you along your journey to expand your knowledge to learn different techniques all these different things so what do you think is there anything more that could be done to help coaches develop further you know as they're as they're growing to become who they want to be you know the coach that they want to become anything you think that they, that could be done more
1: i think i think mentoring is is massive um yeah. and i think it's probably one of the most underrated Things not only just in football or in coaching, but I think in life. Yeah. Like, cause ultimately like I'm, I know now I'm not the same coach that I was when I was 17. I know I've changed and I've developed as I've got older, but yeah, I still like in coaching terms, I'm still fairly young. So I still need that guidance along the way of how to almost deal with different situations that occur. Um, so Cause I think in, in coaching, it's probably, you know, for anyone that perhaps wants to get into coaching, um, it's one of the very few jobs where somebody would rather tell you how they would do your job. Right. Um, so you would put a session on and they'd go, Oh, why, why have you gone about it this way? You'd explain and they get, no, I'd do it this way or I'd change this or why are you doing it? You know, you get questioned quite a lot. So the rewards are probably very minimal but when they come they are great you know like the the wins they say are are, are always great when they are when they don't occur as often um but no certainly i think mentoring in terms of you know how you approach different situations how you can design sessions um i think as well that's a massive one um you know if you if you're say working with uh A team of say under 14s as an example and you know you want to work on something um but then you know you get say six eight players turn up well you know how are you going to adapt your session to still try and get the same outcome even though your numbers you don't get great numbers um I think that's key um you know I think um I think coaching and coaches have got a lot better in terms of sharing ideas with each other i think twitter like there's you know twitter's been good for that um definitely um but i think that's there still needs to be more i'd say of that in terms of sharing ideas and and things because um, yeah coaches are probably some of the biggest thieves going like i've nick sessions off of other coaches i've nick sessions off coaches that when i was a player and i still apply them now just yeah. obviously tweak it a little bit to make sure that you know, the outcomes are, are what I want um, and, that, you know, for the needs of the players. But, um, yeah, I think mentoring is probably the biggest one, um, I would say, certainly, because I know for myself, I would love to have uh, a mentor on a bit more of a regular basis where I can be like, right, this is, you know, I'm struggling with this particular uh, thing. Can you perhaps come to a session and, you know, help me out a little bit? Uh, mm-hmm. and, and things like that so yeah I think that's probably that's probably my big one
0: brilliant brilliant I, I like that I like that touch um, so um, you've talked about um, what could be done to help more of and mentoring which kind of, which actually sets up perfectly for my next question um, what advice now you've got a young coach who's potentially watching this. You said that, you know, hopefully by the end of this interview, someone may have been inspired, you know, maybe that will initiate or create, you know, make a spark for them to want to pursue coaching. Um, so what advice now would you give to uh, young coaches? Also, you can include yourself. Like if there was a young yeah. Wes watching, yeah, what would what advice would you give to these young, young people? Um,
1: I would probably say be in, as enthusiastic as you can um yeah. that's a key a key one um you know i think kids thrive off of enthusiasm they they absolutely love it um and you know i i see it a lot especially with my with the mini kickers sessions that i run i see it so much like the more enthusiastic my i am any other coach that i have coming in like the more enthusiastic we are they they feed off it and it's like they are buzzing essentially off it it's like someone's giving them some ta- harry botang fast and they're they are off <laughs> um so i definitely say i definitely say that but i think it, also in my time i've seen some young coaches and one of the things that i get is if i speak to them just have a little you know you just go oh how did you find it and they go yeah well i was a bit a bit nervous you know i was a bit unsure whether what i was saying was right and you just go well no what you're saying was right just be confident in it a little bit more um you know you may not get it 100% right and that's okay that's okay um you know we're human at the end of the day we are going to make mistakes along the way um but then it's about almost how do we deal with those mistakes and then how do we make sure that we are better at dealing with it should a similar situation occur again yeah um but yeah, I'd obviously say be confident in the information that you're giving to, to players um, because the more confident you are in it, in what you're saying, the more responsive they're going um, okay. uh, to be to um, obviously what you're telling them. Um, and I think they're more likely to carry out the tasks that you're setting out um, as well. Um, obviously, be yourself. Um, yes course, have, have idols you know I've I've listed a whole whole load whole load of them and a host of idols that that you know and people that I looked up to but essentially like be your own sort of person and develop your own kind of personality um, and how you want to be perceived um, as as well but I think within within coaching maybe maybe even look to specialize a little bit So if I look at Alex Inglethorpe at Liverpool, prime example, right? He's come out in interviews and said that, because he's been a manager before, he was manager of Exeter City. Then he went to Tottenham and worked in the academy. And now he's at Liverpool working in their academy. He wants to be perceived as the best youth coach that there is. So he's clear on what he, you know, he's specialising almost and being like, right, I don't really want to work first team, or senior level i want to be the best youth coach that i can be essentially um so don't get me wrong there is going to be times perhaps where you are working for companies where you know you might not be the most confident in delivering for example a pe session that might not necessarily be your specialism um in delivering say pe sessions but you might be better at delivering a a mini kicker session with you know five to six year olds or four year olds or something like that or you might be better actually working with players individually um on a more personal technical basis it might be you know that you're better working in a team environment than you are working in a in an individual environment or you, you know you can only work with certain a certain age bracket or cohort of players um but i think if you work that out Um, obviously the the quicker you can do that the better Um, but no certainly I think um, there is that room and that need I think for specialism I think we're seeing it a lot now or certainly in in some Premier League clubs they are starting to value technical almost technical specific coaches so I'm pretty sure Southampton have recruited a a technical skills coach um, for their for their academy um obviously Renee Mullenstein went in at Man United as a technical skills coach yeah. um, and, and whatnot. So there is value um within those. But yeah, I think maybe just working out like your speciality. If you want to be a, a coach that can cover the wide, a wide sort of range of um of age groups and different types, then you know, fair play. Um, you know, that's completely up to you. But I think, yeah, there's definitely some some little value in that. But ultimately, I'd say sort of be enthusiastic, um, be yourself and and definitely be clear um and concise in in what what it is you're delivering.
0: Brilliant. Um for those of you listening, I hope you took away those three major points that you know, in terms of the advice that you know Wes was giving out. Um, I certainly really appreciate listening to that Um, whereas before we finish I do have two quick more questions for you Um, ones that I thought on the spot and ones that I think you might be that maybe you haven't been asked this before so I guess the first question is throughout your coaching experience what's the one kind of how do I say it what's the one trait or characteristic I wouldn't say trait or characteristic so let's say for instance like for me I've learned throughout you know training the kids that I've learned like to transfer to my daily life is patience Mm -hmm. so what I've learned from that is basically to be patient is there something that you've learned from your coaching experience that you would apply to your daily life now every day like what 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 is that thing
1: um I'm not 100% sure I think maybe what I did learn, it wasn't necessarily from coaching. It was more from my master's degree was time management. Um, that was, I had to just manage my time. And I think, um, the more I do that now, like I block off, um, a lot of, a lot of different. So now like I might say, do a podcast and then it's like, right. Okay. Well, what else can I do sort of in around that day? And it's like, right. Well, I might need to leave say half an hour in between, um, doing something, um, before my next task for example um and little things like that so i think time management is probably one of the big ones that i've learned to do but i think i'm quite i'd say i'm quite fortunate because the line of work that i allow that i'm I'm sort of doing is kind of my daily life as well Um, right right. so i get to kind of live live within my job and my job Mm -hmm. lives within me essentially because obviously i'm I'm a business owner, so I can kind of, and self-employed, so I can kind of work around my, my schedules and things like that. But I think sort of timings and schedules are things that I've I've sort of lived by um, for, for a bit of a long time now. So it's something that I've just sort of ingrained in myself um, yeah. over the years um, and to just kind of give myself that structure, um, you know, within the day. I think that's um, that's probably one of the things that I'd, I'd probably take from from both, really. But I think, you know, that's that's probably it to be honest.
0: Time management, brilliant. Um, and my final question uh, before we finish uh, today's episode is: so you obviously you specialise mainly on one to ones. Mm-hmm. I'm going to give you two options here. Which player would you dream of coaching? one-to-one it could be an all-time player it could be a current player today i'll put you on the spot now because oh. you, you've, you've which player would you would would you have loved to have worked with or want to work with now on a one-to-one basis at or you also have the option of like sort of like a team let's say if you're just coaching a team um is there a play that you would have loved to coach in a professional team environment and is there a player that you would have loved to coach one-to-one so you've got two players to pick so I'll, I'll put you on the spot
1: there. Damn. Damn. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think it would be foolish not to say Messi because he's the greatest player of the generation. Um, right. And I've never, but then saying that when I've I've had the, the privilege of watching him um, for for Barcelona, and I didn't know it was like I didn't know anybody could be that good. Put it that way, but I didn't know anybody that could be that effective without the ball. Messi's more dangerous when when he's not on the ball. Than when he is on the ball, and by the way, he he he's pretty dangerous when he's on the ball, um, and you almost go from kind of sitting sitting as as sort of we are now, like pretty relaxed, and you almost just sort of edge forward to the edge of your seat because you know something exciting um, is is going to happen. Um, but I would probably look. There's 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 going to be lows. I think you know if you had if you had a Ledley King with two good knees what a you know what play what a player he would have been um yeah. he, he was half he was pretty decent it's, it's fair to say with with one knee um and probably one of the best defenders again that i've i've witnessed and he had one knee um musa dembele greatest yeah. and, greatest of all. i had a feeling yeah um <laughs> you know i even saw something the other day uh harry kane said he's the best player that he's he's played with um but everybody that's played with Moussa Dembele is exactly the same um so it would have, it would have been nice I think to see just up sort of up close and personal like how good they some of these guys like actually are on a day-to-day basis yeah,
0: um,
1: yeah. In interesting so I think that's probably the team environment but I think interestingly like from in a 1v1 environment I would probably prefer to work with don't get me wrong I would love to work with a professional footballer at the end of the day I would absolutely love it or I would love the scenario whereby a player that I've worked with makes it into into that professional environment obviously that would be that would be a dream essentially but you know I think there's there is that little part of me that goes actually perhaps work with somebody that is perhaps lesser known or doesn't have the the ability and just make them feel a little bit more confident in what they're doing um and and things like that and you know you mentioned success stories earlier another one who's probably who I would argue is probably one of my biggest success stories is a player that come to me as a as an under he's an under 13 um but his coordination isn't the greatest um so you do a little bit of work in a ladder a little bit of saq stuff um and you're doing the sort of closing the gate hip rotations um hip and going rotations and when i asked him to do it you should have seen his face he was like it was as if i would just told him like it was either i was speaking a different language or i told him that he was going to die in the next like two years or something it was ridiculous um you know like one of those clairvoyants that tell you sort of how your life's going to map out yeah. and, like that, um, and stuff but having said that now, so that was the first session, and it was like he couldn't really control a ball or anything like that. Like his footballing ability was no. I was thinking, I actually thought to myself, like, almost, what have I got here? Um, so I'm no miracle worker, but I'm thinking to myself, right, I'll you know do what I can. Um, yeah. but I look at him now, and he can do the stuff in the ladders a, a lot, lot better. He's a lot more confident in, in his ability, he knows what he's doing essentially when he's on the ball and even before the ball comes to him, he knows what to do, but also as well, he recognizes things and he spots things that he knows he perhaps didn't do. So if he's a central midfield player, he knows now that if he's going to start high, he's got to drop in, he's got to receive on an angle. He has to scan um, and he has to receive off his back foot and try and take his first touch forwards. But if I'm filming that particular part of the session, um he will know and he will spot things that he knows that he didn't do and perhaps i may not have have spotted so he can go like we'll roll it we'll roll it and he'll do it and he'll go oh i didn't scan or i didn't do it or i didn't do that um and i think that's probably what gives me the greatest satisfaction is just giving those players that belief that they can obviously achieve what was being asked of them and they can do the task um you know playing playing football is fairly easy fairly straightforward obviously you know the pros do it to a a level and they're consistent which is you know why they are where they are but you know to sort of be a a half decent footballer kind of yeah it does take a a bit of work and it does take a bit of sacrifice as well along the way don't get me wrong but you know it's something that can be worked on um, and it doesn't sometimes take too much to be worked on um you know just giving players confidence and belief as I keep saying is 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 key because if you give them that they can do anything honestly they can do anything you'll get them feeling 10 foot tall and 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 whatnot so that's probably what gives me more satisfaction than working with some some superstars don't get me wrong I'd love to work with superstars um you know it would do would do me the world of good it would probably challenge me a little bit more as a coach as well um because I'm not kind of working with a grassroots player anymore. You know, I'm working with somebody who is either at an academy or is playing, say, a good standard semi-pro or even or even pro level. Um, but, yeah, I think, obviously, you know my love for Moussa Dembele. Um, most people that know me know my love for Moussa Dembele. So, yeah, 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 see kind of how good he would have been on a day-to-day basis would have been unbelievable. Um, yeah. So yeah, I probably I'd probably have to I'd have to go with Moose. I'd just have to. <laughs> if I don't, I'm there like what am I doing? Because <laughs> I just loved the guy so much and um, yeah yeah he's a player that Tottenham miss massively now. Um, but yeah, like I say, yeah it's great to work with the superstars. But actually, in terms of my sort of craft and kind of knowing where I am, um, those players that perhaps come that are a bit shy, and you give them the confidence, and all of a sudden they are doing things. know so much better than say where we started is is probably the the best feeling that that i can have
0: brilliant Wes. i i I really loved it's like you're going on a uni, G. now you're just going off there and it was just brilliant like i love the added bit of humility that you put in there when i did ask that question you know so i'm sure everyone would appreciate that guys that is it uh thank you so much thank you so much wes for sharing all your insight all your knowledge I'm sure everyone has appreciated and and those who've tuned in today have learned something and hopefully they've got a spark to whatever it is in football that they want to pursue. So we really appreciate you being on today's uh, episode talking about your experiences for today. So for those of you that have uh, tuned in, uh you can uh, listen via youtube uh, or spotify um please leave your comments in the youtube section down below uh as what you want us to kind of uh, talk about in the future also your comments on this episode as well we'd really 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 appreciate it as well and this episode will also come out on spotify so follow us on spotify at wm32 football as well as well as youtube as well um and also Follow us on our social media platforms as well at WM32Football, Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. And as you can see, myself and Wes are displaying our merch that we are currently wearing. So if you would like to get your, your, your merchandise, then please head over to the shop at www.wm32football.com. I had to do a little head bop there because that's how it gets me going and remembering uh, the the, the site. So yeah, if you want to go there, please head on to the shop online as well. Also, we also have a partnership with Jack Collison Soccer Schools uh, that is happening uh, for the May half term, which is in June. So if you would like to, where would they be able to book that? Whereas if they wanted to be able to book their sessions with the soccer schools?
1: Yep. Yeah, so with the holiday camp, you can um, head over to our particular website, wwwwm uh, 32 footballcom um, go onto the sessions page and you will see the holiday camp there. Now, if you are going to book um, and you click, uh, on the book now, um, tab on the website, don't kind of get scared or don't kind of, uh, get worried if it redirects you to the Jack Collison soccer schools website. Um, we are using that as our platform, um, and facility almost to, um, help with the bookings. Um, their website is a little bit better in terms of handling and getting different options Uh, for people um, to book onto the website Um, unfortunately mine isn't there yet um, but I will get there one day I am sure so yeah head over to www.wm32football.com go on the sessions page um, scroll down you'll see holiday camp there click on the button and
0: it will redirect you to book your slot on via the Jack Collison Soccer Schools website Brilliant. Um, Also, as well, as you know, um, we are now back on social media over the weekend. WM32 uh, joined the wider football community in uh, boycotting social media platforms in support of stopping online uh, abuse. So um, we thank you for those who have taken part as well with us. And we do not condone any sort of abuse at all online. So uh, we are very happy that, you know, the football community has taken a stand to join stopping this from happening. So uh, we are back on uh, social media as well. So uh, thank you for everyone tuning into this web episode. And we look forward to to seeing next time. Have a safe day. Bye bye. Cheers. Thank you.